You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Browns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Locked On Browns, your host, Jeff Lloyd. Um, Guys, your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. Guys, Alexa, play podcast, Locked On Browns. She will hook you up with the latest episode of Locked On Browns. It's a nice thing for older people like me with kids to annoy your children with. Uh, they got some panic at the disco or jamming or whatever. I walk in there and ruin their evening. Guys, uh, but, you know, look, we're at that era now. We're we're lazy. We have our personal butlers or maids to take care of these things for us. So uh, it's nice to have that feature and take advantage of a little bit of technology. Um, guys, last couple days, and these are one these wide receiver conversations with you guys, they're a blast, and we keep going through them, and you guys would trade the farm for an Odell Beckham. I'm like, we don't need that much. We need six foot five wide receivers. I'm not sure if that's the case. We're going to get into all of that and then some, and we got a really good guy to do it with. From the Draft Network, LLC, former college wide receiver like myself. So, guys, I'm a little excited about this one. Two wide receivers breaking down some ball here. Um, Brad Kelly from the Draft Network, uh, as I said. Uh, Brad, first things first, man. How's everything going? Uh, obviously, you know, the growth for you guys over at you know, Draft Network continues to, uh, you know, be, you know, be at a nice, steady, steady pace. Obviously, in a nice week in Mobile. I know you guys are trying to, uh, you're going to take the act out to Indy for the Combine. How's everything going, bud? Oh, uh, yeah, definitely going excellent. Like you said, it's it's growing pretty fast for us and uh, just uh, enjoying the ride and ready to ready to make that even even more exponential growth during draft season. Yeah, and that was, I mean, when this all came to fruition, you know, and looking all over, it was just like, well, I'll tell you what, it, it, if it doesn't work, it will not be because of work. I mean, it, the, the group you guys put together over there, I mean, you know, religious, insane, a lot of hours, a lot of depth, a lot of detail, put together a really good team of a lot of guys who bust their butts. Yeah, they are, well, thank you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely, some of, the, some of the guys, some of the work that they do is like, uh, I'm, I'm almost amazed that you know guys like john and, and kyle and the whole group just just the amount of content they put out the amount of film that they grind i just i'm like looking all around struggling to keep up <laughs> well i mean you know look i mean some of them have the advantage of you know maybe that's the full-time thing so you know obviously you know you, you know coaching uh at your alma, alma mater Salve regina you know coaching wide receivers there um well let's just go to that first uh how, how much do you enjoy that and you know obviously you know the college coaching look it, it's it's a difficult life there's a lot to it um, do you enjoy it? Is something you want to continue to pursue if it if the route takes you to you know where you can keep going with it? Uh, I'd say yeah, I definitely enjoy it. I mean, it's it's nothing quite like you know I'm I'm a relatively young coach. I, I coach this past season at 25 years old, and being being able to connect with guys who are you know 18 to 22 and and help them grow and you know some of the same qualities I saw in myself I see in them and and I know what they're going through being at like you said at my alma mater. So it's something that I, I definitely enjoyed and. Something that I'll definitely look to continue to do. Yeah, so you can say, hey, guys, I better not find you here on Friday night. That might not be the best <laughs> thing for your interests. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, because I, I coached for a while, and you obviously just got to the point where it was more of, you know, real life in the full-time. And that's the one thing I miss, and I do get some of it back now, uh, you know, coaching my daughter and her friends in soccer. And you know, we have a lot of fun with it. You know, obviously, it's not the time put in, but it, it's nice when you can, at any time, you can just, if you're working with somebody, anybody younger than you, and you can get a light to go on for them, or just, they, they pick up something from what you said, or use it, and realize that, wow, oh, wow, maybe they were right. It's, well, you guys, we're not just shooting from the hip here, making it up as we go. You know, sometimes it comes from experience. Yeah, right, and the experience thing is huge, because like, I could relate to them, like you said, with, with the experience, and, and being in the same town, and uh, you know, being at the same school, playing the same position that they did, and being in the same offense and the same, you know, the same head coach and all that type of stuff. So it was, it was definitely something that was it was easy to relate to them and 
and easy for that for me to help them grow. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, before we get into this, uh, now you said you'd done some work here. You know, obviously on the Browns passing game and the receiving aspect of it. Um, I see. The thing for me is there's other holes on this team, and you know, I go by what the second half of the season, and I'm you know, and they think I'm just saying no, it's done. Just bring everybody back. You'll be fine. I'm not saying that. I need. I think some things need to be added. But there's some good things here, and for me, I think there's going to be a lot of growth here as you get into year two of Baker Mayfield. You get into a David Najoku, who's still only 23 years old. Antonio Callaway looked real good, and you got to keep in mind there was a, you know almost a you know a two year layoff. Give me some thoughts here on the guys that you can watch the receiving uh, you know the receiving aspects for the Cleveland Browns, Brad. I would say my favorite one is David Najoku, the tight end that you mentioned. I mean, young guy, super athletic. And an ascending player, even going back to his time in Miami, he really only had one year of modest production. But the plays that he did make were like the highlight reel. And you saw the high potential out of him. And, and early on in his career, I think you've con- continued to see that. But I think I saw growth from him as far as consistency goes. He had a stretch in the middle of the season where he, he really started to pick up his play and dominate. And I think with that, with playing for, with Baker Mayfield for a second season and progressing with him, with Baker, but also progressing his own traits in his own game is all, all around aspects. You know, his route running has has improved. His run blocking has improved. I think you're looking at ascending ascending tight end. And the th- one thing I noticed with you know David Njoku, and this was playing obviously Deshaun Kaiser, Tyrod Taylor. I think what you noticed, and this was a credit to Baker Mayfield, is um, as big as David Njoku is, make sure the belt, make sure the ball is above the belt. Um, you know, because everybody, oh, the drops, the drops. No, well, I mean, guys, six foot five doesn't really go low. Uh, a lot more comfortable going high. And Baker Mayfield, who you know, kind of just realize, you know, picks up on these things, you know, as quickly and, and processes information. He did a lot better. I mean, and there were balls David Njoku had no, you know, had no chance to drop. It was like, well, bro, it's already in your bread basket, man. Just you know, kind of hang on to it. Baker put it on you, and I, I think it helped him with as a confidence level. And, you know, now maybe you can match the confidence with the athleticism. And I, I do agree. I think the sky's the limit here. Um, now, some thoughts on Callaway. This was this was a highly criticized pick. I mean, he obviously, you know, you know had the off-field stuff at Florida. Didn't help himself by showing up at the combine and, you know, testing dirty. So he came in here, and it's John Dorsey loves them red flags, and he had them galore. <laughs> he did. But, I mean, from, you know, pretty much the day he got here, it, it seemed like they put a lot on him. And, you know, there were very high, there were, I wouldn't say like there were lows so much where there were just weeks where he wasn't a big part of the game plan. But when he was, I mean, it seems like, I mean, for a fourth round pick, it was a pretty solid return of an investment in our opinion. Well, here's the thing. I I don't want to come on a Browns podcast and just just hate on some of their players. You, uh, no, 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 no. You call them like you see him, Brad. We're not here for the fluff fluff, man. There's other, there's other Browns podcasts for that. I had uh, I had a low grade on Tony Callaway coming out. And then I thought that him being, being chosen the fourth round was about where I would have chosen him on an ability basis. And then you add in the red flags and it's like, I kind of thought he was going to go undrafted. Um, and we got, first- we got, we got lit up, got lit up for Cause and the thing was, is and, and, uh, my buddy Pete Smith, who does a bunch of the shows with me. And as it came up, it was the fourth round pick. And it was about 10 minutes away. Here he comes. Antonio Callaway, John can't help himself, and everybody, oh, you're hating on him. Just because he's a Brown doesn't mean he's automatically going to work out. What worked out here ever? Not not much has worked out. You know, there were guys with cleaner off fields, better production, better tape, and actually played college football in 2017. But go ahead. Uh, I think his rookie year, kind of like you said, there were just points where he just disappeared, and and whether it was being not really being a part of the game plan, being in routes that were more. Of, you know, clear out or decoy routes. There were just stretches where 
his game was essentially you know non-existent. And and I looked at Baker Mayfield's all Baker Mayfield's throws um, from this past season. And when you look at when he targeted Antonio Callaway versus when he targeted everybody else, his pass rating dropped more than twenty points. Uh, his completion percentage dropped like seven percent. He threw just as many interceptions as INTs. Um, there was a there are a lot of concerns as far as with Callaway's sometimes separating. It's really inconsistent, inconsistent hands. Um, I think his tracking is inconsistent. So it's just kind of a thing where the highs are high, and if you can get that on a on a weekly basis, you're talking about a solid wide receiver too. But I just don't really see him ascending to that level in his second year, and the off the field stuff doesn't help doesn't help the projection. Well, I mean, yeah, he's he's going to be a guy that you forever. You know, as a GM, you, you, you got the phone by you know, on your nightstand. Please, please don't let it ring. Please don't let it ring. And then if it does kind of ring, uh, you got, I mean, and this is the thing with John Dorsey, you know, if it does ring, all right, which one of the three or four guys is going to be? Uh, but, you know, the, the, the craziest one was the Texans game because he had a had a big, you know, catches two huge deep balls. And then one of them, I mean, obviously one got negated by a penalty. The second one, he's at the five. He's just got to go run at the pylon. There's nobody there. But he kind of just runs to the center of the field, <laughs> ends up getting stripped, costs a touchdown. I mean, it was a game that everybody on the Browns, you know, pretty much played kind of crappy that day. But that was just like a, that was the, like the ultimate head scratcher because it was just like, well, you know, what are you doing? And you know, some people were like, oh, well, he did play some running back in high school. I said, well, that means nothing. You're taught running daylight. The daylight was to the left. Uh, yeah, I mean, that was part of the thing too. Is is I think he has a, a lack of awareness and maybe some of that comes from an experience at the position, but. When is he really going to gain that experience? I mean, in his rookie year, you would like to see it, but then, like we like we mentioned, he's not involved in the game plan some weeks. So it was kind of like I don't know when he's going to really be able to to ex- get the necessary experience and ascend to play. Yeah, so I mean, you know, look, I mean, I, I think you have somebody that can do some things there for you. Um, you know, look, I mean, he may end up doing more than we anticipate, but I think you know, you're talking maybe a guy who's going to contribute fifty to fifty receptions somewhere in that range. And there'll be some good days and there'll be some bad days. Um, we do want to get a little bit here to now. This is the this is another big one here is um, wide receiver one, which the the whole term of it now I, I think is kind of getting lost in the mix because everybody says, oh, we need one. There's for me, it's there's an issue of there's maybe six to seven guys in the NFL who fit that description. So guys, do the math. If there's 32 teams. You, a lot of teams are going to end up the odd man out, you know, if you want to play quality musical chairs effect whatsoever. But with that being said, Brad, who are some guys that you think could be, and when I say wide receiver one, we're talking 100 reception, 13 to 1,500 yards, 12 to 15 touchdowns. Are there any guys you see that you think are that? Or do you? are there any guys you think that, hey, maybe they could be that? There's There's one guy. His name is DK Metcalf from Ole Miss. I'm sure you guys have talked yeah, a lot course. about him. 6'4", 230 pounds listed on Ole Miss's website. I mean, he has the downfield ability. He has the size, strength combo. I mean, he's, he's chiseled. He's long. He has the frame. He has all the athleticism in the world. Um, he's a guy who's going to do well at the combine. There are some concerns over straight line speed. I feel like those people have never watched him. He was the fastest player on Ole Miss. Clock is the fastest miles per hour. I think he has fastest 42. He is going to tear it up at the combine. He's going to fly up draft boards. If you want a wide receiver one, a receiver with potential to get there, it's Metcalf. But then there are issues, though. I mean, you know, you know, there's not a lot of production. He's still a little bit raw. Uh, the next thing you're going to need doctors to sign off for. But, yeah, I mean, if you're going to go to a lab and build yourself, you know, if you're going to go do the creative player and build a wide receiver one, 
it's going to look like you know DK Metcalf. And I will admit, there's there's flashes where I watch. It's like there's a little bit of like Randy Moss in college here. Like doesn't really know what the hell he's doing yet, but dominating the living hell out of you regardless. Right, and I think part part of that is I think almost his offense. It's it's hard it's hard to just say like this was his role, but realistically, I watched the LSU game. Uh, from from the all twenty two, and he was outside releasing on the on a go route or on a crawl route on like eighty percent of the plays. And it's like, can you guys mix it up a little bit? You know, you're limiting not only your offense but all this talent you have in in your offense. You look at AJ Brown, Demarcus Lodge, Jordan Tomu, Dawson Knox. I mean, you had a lot of talent, and they're just running this like vanilla, basic air raid system, not even any like adjustments or anything like that. Um, and I think so. Part of that I think was his his role, but I see the traits with Metcalf that I think will project him better into the next level and into a larger role in an NFL offense, specifically looking at he can beat press coverage at will. Part of that is his size, but I also think he's really good at it. And you look at DeMarcus Lodge across the field, and he's really good at it too. So I'm, I'm, I kind of tend to think that's more of a coaching thing, that he's they're actually really well coached on how to beat press, and that would definitely translate even if he goes against bigger corners in the NFL. Uh, and then you see like the downfield, he stacks he stacks cornerbacks very well. He attacks the catch point when necessary. Um Ole Miss relied on him in big moments. You look at 2017 against Kentucky. They had uh, 10 seconds left there in the red zone down four, and they just threw a jump ball to DK Metcalf in the back corner of the end zone against Lonnie Johnson, a Kentucky corner who will be yeah. a top 100 pick. So they're just saying, hey, w- this is our best play. We're going to throw a jump ball to DK in the back the back corner of the end zone. That's going to win us this game. And he went up and got it. So I think there's a lot of a lot of aspects that that suggest that he's going to to progress, get past some of those those raw traits and and really become that top top flight, top 10 receiver in the league. Yes, and my only thing, though, was if you were selecting him at 17, if he does all this, you know, he everything pans out, and he does become the guy who can dominate the league, I just don't know if you're going to get that right out of the gate in year one, and, and that's part of the problem with the Cleveland fans is it, they want it immediately. They want it quickly. Patience. So that's one th- exactly. That's the one thing that does concern me. And the thing with Baker and having some other receivers, he doesn't have to do that right off the bat. Guys, you're listening to Locked On Browns here. Brad Kelly from Draft Network LLC joining us here. If you want to drop an iTunes rating review? Now would be a fantastic time to take care of that for me, guys. Appreciate it. Um, now, obviously, you know, we got to Metcalf and all that stuff, and, and that's one everybody wants to get to. Now, here is another one, you know, where I debate with my listeners, uh, a lot of them, and, and it's part of it is, and this one's a little delusional. Oh, well, we need somebody for the red zone. Uh, no, they had no issues in the red zone whatsoever, so we're not going to go that route. But they want everybody. You need the tall, big-body guy who can handle the one-on-one contested catches. So, Brad, for the listeners here, who are some of those guys you like in that aspect? Uh, there's a few. Uh, I think actually in this particular NFL draft class, it's loaded with receivers who are specifically good in that scenario. Um, and, and Metcalf is good at it, but past him, you're looking at Kelvin Harmon from NC State who's good at it. And he has similar size. He's 6'3", listed at 213 pounds. Hakeem Butler from Iowa State is even a little bit bigger, um, and he's great at it. You look at J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. I mean, he's a box-out specialist. He's literally, you do throw the ball up to one-on-ones. He will box a corner out, and he will go get the football. He was outstanding in those situations. Even even past those three, Antoine Wesley from Texas Tech, he's 6'5", 200 pounds, very long, also good in those scenarios. There's a lot of good receivers. If that's what you're looking for, especially in the second or third rounds, you are going to get it in this draft. Okay, so for your listeners who are looking for that guy, those are some names there from Brad. But now we're going to counter that with, Brad, I prefer solid route runners who can create separation, and when the ball is thrown to them, they are going to catch it. 
and that's and this is kind of where I'm going with here. Whether it, whether it's a combination of a Callaway, a Landry, a Richard Higgins, and you know if Perriman's brought back, these guys all seem to do okay in you know a smaller sample role. But you know here's some you know give me the name of these guys. I I want guys who run crisp routes and are reliable hands catchers. In your opinion, these are the guys. I, because I, I, and look, you know, as much as the Patriots, Brad, I'm sorry, you're from that area. It gets on all of our nerves. But they're receiver-wise, and what they've always been looking for is what works. You know, run a good route, get open, catch the ball. And they've done this now, and they've done it for the entire 17-year run. Uh, yeah, well, actually, funny, because yesterday I was at the Patriots parade celebrating the, for the third time in five years. But that's not the point. Yeah, uh, yeah the, tough life, Brad. <laughs> the... I think there are there are a lot of good route runners in this class as well. I mean, this receiver class is is extremely deep, um, and and in it you see a lot. It's of like ice cream. Things. It's 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 like ice cream. That if you if you're looking for your flavor, it's here. Right, you will get it. Um, and and particularly, I think on the outside, you're talking about a a, a Z receiver um, who can who can run and separate run routes and separate. I think there's a lot of talent guys like Debo Samuel from South Carolina, Riley Ridley from Georgia. Um, you look at. Demarcus Lodge from Ole Miss, who I mentioned earlier, those are three guys who have some size to them, who play a lot of the outside, who can beat press coverage and can get into their routes. But particularly looking at guys from the slot, there are even more guys from the slot that can run routes, separate, and catch the ball consistently. I mean, everyone knows who he is, but Hunter Renfro is great in that role. Um, but there are also like bigger slots, guys like Jacoby Myers from NC State, Tyree Brady from Marshall, and those two in particular are both in Mobile. I got to see him live. Um, and they're guys who have great feet despite being a little bit longer, um, and then guys who also have safe hands. So with, with their great feet, they have those sudden movements. They can run in and out. They have that shiftiness that you look for. Uh, and with their frames over the middle, you're looking at, a, you're looking at players who can, who can really thrive in that big slot role. So, guys, look, there's a combination here. Somebody's going to win. Either you guys are going to get your guy or I'm going to get the kind of guy I'm looking for. But there's, you know, look, either way, it's just, you know, get Baker another, Baker another weapon or two. That's fine. That's okay. We're good with that. Um, in your opinion, um, Brad, who are some of the most uh, of this receiver group who are probably under underappreciated at this point? And look, you know, we know sometimes, you know, obviously a lot of, you know, faith is put into the combine. And it doesn't always work. I mean, Cooper Cup, it was, he was one of these guys. We all, a guy like that, we battled the entire way through. It went to the combine. It didn't show up there. But who are some of these guys that the tape is the tape, and you know, they're not getting enough love, in your opinion, right now? Well, I have I have a handful of guys. One of them being Antoine Wesley from Texas Tech, who who I mentioned earlier has really the size and the length on the outside. But three guys who I think are versatile and really fit a mold that I think you will like uh, are Terry McLaurin, Keyshawn Johnson, and Stanley Morgan Jr. And and looking into them, Terry McLaurin was was pretty much the talk and the big riser of the senior bowl. Uh, I liked his tape out of Ohio State. He was really the second fiddle receiver to Paris Campbell, but I think he'll end up being a better pro. Talk about a guy who can really separate down the field. He runs very nuanced, very unique routes. Uh, really is able to create separation because of that. Um, and then you look at Keyshawn Johnson from Fresno State. Um, really a safe receiver, really reliable, plays inside outside, put up a ton of production at Fresno State. I mean, he, he had, I think he had over 90 catches. He's had over 1,100 yards, two straight seasons. Uh, very reliable hands. I've lost like five or six of his games. I haven't seen him drop a pass yet. And then Stanley Morgan Jr. from Nebraska, 
another refined, really nuanced route runner, great on the vertical plane, uh, can really beat that press coverage, but really is shifty in and out of his breaks. And that means on his horizontal breaks, when he has to cut on a 90-degree angle or something along those lines, he's very quick. And I think that's where he really thrived, uh, being able to set guys up vertically and then break his route off like that. And, and those are three guys who I think will probably be available in the third round, who I think would all be great value at that point. Um, now, it's interesting, McLaren and Ridley. Now, these are two interesting names. And this is kind of what happens when you have the schools and, you know, look, National Signing Day was today. And again, you know, you keep rolling in four stars and five stars. These guys, like, they kind of get caught up in a numbers games. And, and and part of it is, is look, you know, if you're going to recruit a five star and you've already got three or four wide receivers on your roster, these guys are going to get snaps. I mean, you have to, they were, they're not coming to your school to sit. And, you know, some of these guys don't get, you know, the numbers aren't there. And it's not really their fault. They deserve the reps. They deserve the targets. But they're just at, you know, football factories, if you want to use that term. And it, it kind of ends up skewing their numbers. And then when you get to see him and, you know, McLaren, I mean, I, I you know, I don't know if I saw a defender within three yards of him the entire week he was in Mobile. Right. He, he was, he dominated <laughs> their corners down there. And, and part of being, you know, in, in Ohio State's offense, you look at, uh, Dwayne Haskins, his his numbers, and he threw for like whatever it was, 5,000 yards. I don't know what it was. Some ridiculous, ridiculous number of passing yards. So you, you imagine, oh, like no one was underutilized because they did such a good job. But realistically, you have four, maybe five NFL receivers on your on your college roster. In a way, everyone's going to be underutilized. And I think Terry was was really the the main you know guy that was underutilized. He only had 35 receptions. But he also turned that into 700 yards and 11 touchdowns this past season. I mean, he's averaging 20 yards per catch and scoring touchdowns at that rate. Obviously, used as more of a downfield guy, but also a guy who picked up a lot of yards after the catch. If you look at the film, so I think he has he has special traits because he can separate. Like like you said, I mean, no no keep up with him uh, in mobile and, and in the red zone uh, down the field. I mean, you're looking at a guy who's going to produce touchdowns, and on top of that, he's also probably the best special teamer. Like in the draft uh, i mean this guy had a ton of t- tackles on punt team on kick team uh and part of that i think really helps him beat press coverage because you you put two guys on him in the, in the yep. punt game and no one can touch him yeah and also though i mean for me what that shows me is that shows me what time of what type of guy you're you're now paying cash to um he's going to do everything that he's asked of you know because you know nobody wants to go to ohio state and have to cover punts <laughs> nobody yeah. does um but a guy like that who does it and not only does it but excels in it that's the type of guy, type of guy you want in the building. Um, so it's okay that he, if, you know, he's your third or your fourth receiver, and he can give you that as well because the guy's just going to attack everything that you ask him to do. And you, you always need nuts and bolts guys in your building. You, you need not every. You don't need the guy who's got his agent coming in every day asking about money. You need the guy who just says, "All right, what do you need me to do this week? How are we going to get a W?" McLaren fits that in spades, and we'll just we'll, we'll kind of you know get to this here as well. Um, tight end group. These guys. I mean, and and it's weird because. It's almost like we got to the point where, like, the tight end position was kind of almost being, like, you know, like phased out or devalued. And then all of a sudden, you get this group of tight ends here in this 2019 draft. And even if you're a team like the Ravens, who's already got, like, seven, you're still <laughs> nosing around. I mean, you're still nosing around. Like, well, I mean, if there's a lot of good guys here. Um, you know, highlight a couple of these guys here because, obviously, you know, I mean, he's similar, obviously, from the receiving aspect. And, you know, the Browns with Seth DeValve is a guy that seemed they don't value so much. Um, you know, Dan, uh, Darren Fells, great blocker, and even Baker Mayfield found a way to get him three touchdowns. 
Um, so I do think Baker and tight ends work together. Obviously, Njoku's here. Freddie Kitchens likes to mix up everything. He will play every spe- he will play every offensive specialist on the roster. Everybody gets a chance. Everybody gets a touch. So give me a little you know talk here about some of the guys that, in your opinion, you know, because it seems like I mean right off the bat you can go 10, 11 without even thinking about it. So you can easily get to 18, 19 when you actually sit down with your notes. But give me some names of some guys who who've impressed you to this point. Well, like you said, I mean, I love this tight end group. I mean, it, like you said, it's deep, talented. There are guys in the first round, second, third that I think would all be good value at those points in time. Um, There's going to be a couple guys who drop, and it, it's going to be from no fault of their own. It's just going to be that that's how many there are. Definitely. And and looking at the top, I mean, I love TJ Hawkinson. He's going to be a top 10 player for me. No he reminds time. me of Shockey a little bit. Yep. And, and even looking at, you know, Irv Smith Jr. from Alabama, I think Caden Smith has a ton of potential from Stanford. But looking at a guy that I particularly like that I'm drawn to, and Isaac Nada from Georgia actually just wrote an article about mm-hmm. him, published it about an hour ago. Um, dude is very versatile already, and he's 21 years old. He's a dominating run blocker. He will displace defensive ends, outside linebackers. He will, he will move them, uh, keeps his hands inside, really nice sound wide base and space as well. And also a guy who – another guy was underutilized uh, in his time at Georgia. I mean, you look around the room, you know, in 2017, they had Sonny Michelle, Nick Chubb, uh, you know, DeAndre Swift, Riley Ridley – um, let's see, Javon Wims, Michael Hardman. Hardman. Yeah, they had you know everyone and their mother trying to cut Terry Godwin, all trying to get touches. So now it was kind of left by the wayside. But realistically, I don't care about tight end production because you look at a guy like Jason Witten, he had like 39 receptions his junior year of college, and then two years later had like 95 for the Cowboys. Uh, so I think Nada is a guy who was kind of just a product of his production-wise of, of a loaded offense. Uh, but you look at his receiving ability, and it's there. He only had 35 targets this past season in 14 games. He had 30 receptions and four, over 400 yards. This is a guy who had 85% completion percentage when targeted and over 12 yards per target. He probably should have got more targets. He didn't, but that's no fault of his own. He's a guy who can get open, win over the middle. Great yak guy, especially for a guy who's over 240 pounds. Really uh, well-rounded game. That rare high floor, but also has a high ceiling. Um, but the other thing I, I, you know, and I liked with Nada, and I actually it's a name I do like that you brought up, uh, even though he burned Florida State late in the process and ended up going to Georgia. Be that as it may, um, but I do like him in the play action game. Freddie likes the play action game. Baker Mayfield excels in the play action game. Um, so just yeah, another guy to utilize in. I, you know, I, I do think they're going to move on from Seth of Valve. So I want one more tight end here. You know, I want, you know, and I, I like the way Freddie does it. And he wants to utilize all this, you know, all the skill players he's got. Because, look, it puts that much more pressure on the D. Because you literally have no idea what is coming your way here. Uh, you're coming your way with Freddie. And that's that's interesting from Matt. Brad, uh, what's next for you with the work? What's next for the Draft Network? Uh, you know, what can the, the listeners and, you know, the readers be looking out for here, you know, over the next coming months? Well, definitely keep your eyes out. February 25th, uh, we released two new uh, user tools, essentially. It's the it's called the Mock Draft Machine and the Build Your Own Big Board. Starting with the Mock Draft Machine, you can do do a seven-round mock draft or you can do a one-round. It doesn't matter how many rounds you want. For one team, you can do it for two. You can do it all the way up for 32. So if you want, you can sit down and do a full seven-round, 32-team mock draft if you'd like. Or you can just do one team, seven rounds, kind of like what the fan speak model is. Uh, and then the Build Your Own Big Board will be the same tool that we use, really interactive. Uh, there will be a list of players, you know, w- 
with our rankings, with our, our experts' rankings, and then you click on the player, you get a, whole, a full scouting report. So you can then rank the players, uh, you know, scouting reports embedded right in there. You rank the players, you want to do positional rankings, you can do those. So really, it will allow you to do, you can do it up to 300 players. So it will allow you to make your own, looks, you know, very clean, has has the, the name, the position, the school, the symbol of the school that they're that they're at. You, very nice, uh, nice setup, very user-friendly. Uh, both of those launched February 25th. Um, right at midnight, so I'll probably be on. I mean, I get to use the the little like uh, pre pre works, but I'll probably be on there. You know, on on the website, you know, February twenty fifth at midnight, right after midnight, using them. So keep your eyes out for that. I mean, the content's going to increase. Uh, the we'll be at the combine, we'll be at the NFL draft doing a live draft show. So keep your eyes peeled. There's, there's a lot coming. Uh, guys, there's Brad Kelly um, and Brad for me, who's got two young kids, and I have to get up at five fifty in the morning. I will check that out on February twenty sixth, bro. All right. <laughs> February 25th, midnight. No, I will not be there for that. Guys, that was Brad Kelly. Um, this is Brad Kelly joining us here. Uh, at Brad Kelly 17 uh, go check him out and all the guys over at the Draft Network LLC. We appreciate Brad for his time. The Locked On Browns podcast, guys. We'll keep it a follow-back account. Locked On Browns. Go ahead, throw a follow over there. We'll follow you right back. Best way for you guys to relay information to me. Um, I use a lot of what you guys bring to me in the show. Um, it, it makes it easier for me, but it also it, it helps me get you guys what you want. Uh, follow me personally at Jeff underscore L. Uh, L um, I'm sorry, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Um, guys, ratings, reviews, they're always great. I appreciate all of that. You've been your daily delivery of all things dog pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.